Welcome to The Way the World Works, where the trusted team behind the Tuttle Twins books tackles current events, hot topics, and fun ideas to help your family find clarity in a world full of confusion. Hi, Connor. Hi, Brittany. So today I'm going to geek out a little bit because uh, you know I like uh, the law. Well, I don't like laws, but I like the law. <laughs> I like <laughs> the Constitution. So when the founders and framers established our country, economic liberty played like a huge role. And if anyone doubts that, just go back and read the grievances that are listed in the Declaration. And so many of them actually touch on this specifically, even if you can't decipher the languages a little bit old school, if you will. But, you know, one of the major factors in this fight for independence was was this belief in too many taxes, you know, and it was preventing entrepreneurs in America from being able to sell things at a reasonable price. And there's so much that went around commerce and economics that made the the revolutionaries stand up and say, you know, we're not we're not going to take this. We have the right to to earn an income. And it seems like that's a pretty big no brainer, right? Like, yeah, you have the right to earn an income. Of course you do. You have the right to take care of yourself. That's that's the American dream. That's the American way. Anybody can pick themselves up by the bootstraps and, you know, find find a, a job or a career and make money. But the only person getting in or the only thing getting in the way of people from being able to do that is the government. And unfortunately, it's the Supreme Court's job to to help. So like if if the government makes a law that isn't constitutional, right, they take it to the Supreme Court. Hopefully there's a whole other thing on how that gets to the Supreme Court. And that's something, Connor, I work at a law firm and I still don't really understand it if I'm being honest. <laughs> it's a whole other thing. District courts, appellate courts, it's a whole thing. But um, so when they have brought cases, when people have brought cases in front of the Supreme Court that deal with their right to earn a living, their right to just make money and take care of their families, the Supreme Court won't protect that right. And that's crazy because not only do they have a bad track, track record on this, a lot of times the judges, they won't even address the case. So there was a case that just got rejected, and it was about this adorable lady. Her name is Ursula Newell Davis, and she is a social worker. So she like works with families and kids, and she had this idea. She lives in uh, Louisiana, and she said, you know, I had a son who got shot by like gang members when he was younger. I wish I could have helped those kids before they got into trouble. And so she started working with these kids that come from families where maybe the parents want to be home or but they have to work because they can't afford to stay home with their kids or uh, families with kids with special needs and, and their parents are at work. So she's like, I want to start a service to help these families because that's just something that isn't available. So she gets her business. She's paying rent for her for her building. Parents are already really excited to have her as a resource because she's had 20 years of experience. And then it gets to this, this board of, of government-appointed people, and they say, oh, I'm sorry. We don't think that the city – we don't think the county needs this. We don't see that there's a need for your business, so you don't get to be in business. And wow. so, she, yeah, and so she wasn't allowed to open her business, and all these families now are without care. And here's the really funny part, Connor. So the people that told her that there was no need for her business, they work for other businesses or other like entities like hospitals and social care like that do the same work as she did. So that would be like me opening a lemonade stand and you wanting to open a, a lemonade stand, but you have to ask me for permission first. Mm. But I'm your, you're my competition. Of course, I'm going to say like, no, I don't want you to, to go into business. So that's what's happening. So she tried to take her case to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court said, no, we don't deal with economic liberty, which is wow. crazy. So 
I'm going to get into this a little bit. The 14th Amendment deals with a lot of things, and so it's hard to cover it all even in one episode because on the one hand, um, it it made sure that the Constitution applied to all the states because before the 14th Amendment, states sometimes would just be like, oh, no, we can do – we can, you know, suppress your speech because that's only something the federal government has to do. And then the 14th Amendment basically said, no, the states have to do it too. Well, there was something in that amendment, and that's also the – um the equality before the law amendment as well that says we are all equal no matter what your skin color or or gender is or you know where you come from so that's another important part of it but there's also something called privileges and immunity clause and why it's called that and it has to do with economic liberty we're not going to get into just know that that was the clause in that amendment that was supposed to protect everybody's right to make money to earn a living but it didn't last very long. I think it was not even maybe 10 years when that was put in that it was just taken out again, that they just ignored it, started ignoring it. So there was this famous case known as the Slaughterhouse Cases, which sounds appealing, doesn't it? <laughs> when I saw that, I'm like, it sounds like a horror movie or something. I guess, I guess it kind of is. But um, it's exactly what it sounds like. It was a slaughterhouse. And there was a slaughterhouse that and this is pretty gross. Like they weren't there, like the waste coming out of the slaughterhouse was like going into like rivers and people were getting really sick. Terrible. But instead of like, oh, hey, why don't you move your building? Like, let's find a way to like not make this a problem. People got together and were like, all right, only certain people can have slaughterhouses and you can't kind of thing. So that's that's what the slaughterhouse word and the slaughterhouse cases has to do with. So because of that case, because of the case where they were like, oh, yeah, you can regulate somebody if there's like a public, you know, health concern or something. And then you can also just take it like you can't even give them a chance to do it differently. Like the slaughterhouse couldn't move. Now they gave that power to the government to just start their own slaughterhouses, which they did. And they gave it to their friends and they gave privileges to their friends because that is unfortunately what happens when the government gets involved in the economy. So because of that one one case the Supreme Court won't even look at these cases. And one reason I want to point out that this is so crazy to me, Connor, is because right now we have a Supreme Court that's pretty, I don't want to say absolutely, but they're pretty good on a lot of the issues we'd want them to be good on. But it's crazy to me that even people like Clarence Thomas, who's usually good, you know, like that this body of, of justices will not touch economic freedom. And Connor, I don't know, did you, were you aware of this and that that was part of the reason. Well, yeah. It. And what I find fascinating about this, so the 14th Amendment is that basically the result of the war between the states, the Civil War, as we call it. And and uh, and it was adopted, as you point out, it has like different pieces to it, but it was officially adopted in, in 1868. And it was only one year later that Louisiana passed their law uh, that was the the, the basis of the lawsuit in the slaughterhouse cases. So the whole reason why this lawsuit started was because of a law just one year later. And so when this case worked its way up through the court to the Supreme Court, this was the first time that the Supreme Court was reviewing this new constitutional amendment. It was brand new. There had been no, no other cases saying, you know, hey, Here's how you should interpret this, or here's how it applies to a particular issue. This is the first time, and 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 it was this first case, this 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 first case that came to the Supreme Court, where they basically rendered this this part of the Fourteenth Amendment called the the Privileges or Immunities Clause. They they basically said, eh, that, that doesn't really apply. 
we're not, we're not going to really uh, allow it to apply to all these state issues. It's only for federal issues. And it wasn't yes, until good much, part much, to point out. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't until much, much, much later when that changed. Um, uh, but, but it's crazy that the Supreme Court, with their first opportunity, just years after this amendment was passed, basically rendered it moot. And uh, it's, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. And it's it's what really gets me about this. Obviously, I think everybody has the right to earn a living. But one thing that you and I, Connor, know about how the market works is that the market doesn't just benefit the entrepreneur, right? That's not who wins on on the market. Everybody who makes use of the product or the service is winning, right? And so like, look at that, everything we can do with an iPhone. You know, we didn't invent it, but we have so many benefits from it. Think of all the kids and the families who now don't have access to something they really need because the government is saying, no, this lady doesn't have the right to earn her living how she wants to. And that's, I think, right. what really what really gets me is it's not even just the person who wants to have a business, who wants to be an entrepreneur. It's it's people who miss out. And another really good example of this are uh, in two states, Georgia and Iowa, um, midwives. Uh, it's hard for midwives to start businesses. And a midwife, I'm trying to think of the best way to describe a midwife. So before hospitals were even a huge thing, actually not even that. So people used to have uh, birth, like have babies a lot differently than they do today. It wasn't like a so much of like a hospital procedure, you'd work with somebody called a midwife. And that was usually, I don't want to call it a nurse. Connor, what's a good way to describe a midwife? Because Well, we used a midwife for both of our kids. And uh, it's it's basically kind of, yeah, almost like a nurse who specializes in, uh, in pregnancy and delivering babies. And that's kind of their, their sole focus. They're more limited in what they can do. Uh, they can't administer certain drugs or do certain things that a full-fledged nurse can. But they're kind of, you, you can think of them like a nurse for helping women deliver their babies. Yeah, that's and that's a good way to put it. And there's also like doulas, which are different. We won't get into all that. But so yes, midwives are specialized to help deliver babies. But like you said, if like a, if something, a serious medical issue arises, the, they'll have to transport the mother and the baby to a hospital, which a lot of hospitals have an agreement with and that that sometimes right. happens but you'd be surprised how often it doesn't happen that's what i always tell a lot of people who are skeptical of midwives and home births and birthing centers but in in georgia specifically there is this couple that had a really bad hospital experience when they had their baby and so they wanted to start a birth center which is kind of it's like a place you can go because a lot of people do home birth but a birth center is somewhere you can go and you have midwives there and it's like it's like its own little place just for for having, you know, babies and working with midwives. But Georgia, who has one of the lowest uh, or highest, excuse me, like uh, it, they're called mortality rates, meaning that in Georgia, a lot of moms and babies die during childbirth. In fact, their rates are, of death are actually higher than third world countries and a lot of undeveloped Whoa. countries, which is just nuts. I think Cuba and um, it wasn't Syria. It was... Uh, it may have been Syria. Well, there's two countries that are like far, far worse than Georgia. And you're thinking, wait, what? We're such an industrialized country. And so this couple were like, you know, what? we're going to start our own midwife center. It's going to be great. The nearest midwife center from Augusta, Georgia, where they live is like three and a half hours away. So they were going to make sure that they had this place available for women. And again, the government said, let people who were their direct competitors say, no, we don't think there's a need for this. And you got to laugh at that, Connor, because the numbers say there's a need for it when there are so many, so much problems with the the death rates with with childbirth in Georgia. And a lot of that is because there's simply no room in the hospital. So they're not getting that care. So it's, the, it's just crazy. 
one of the ideas that come to mind for me that's semi-related is in a lot of states, car dealerships, you can't open a new one uh, if it's within a certain distance of an existing one. And so the and and why do those laws exist? Well, it's because the car dealers are very politically active and they donate money to politicians and they've built influence so that they can get these protectionist laws. If you remember our food truck fiasco book talking about protectionism, they get these laws passed that protect their industry, just like the hospitals and these other uh, examples that you're sharing. Or, or let's use the food truck fiasco as an example. Another issue is restaurants. A lot of cities have passed rules saying food trucks can't operate near restaurants. And it's strictly to restrict competition. There's no, I don't know, there's no public health reason. There's no public safety reason. If they're parked in an appropriate spot, like any other truck or vehicle, um, and, and so it's really just to restrict competition. So often we see the government not playing referee in a, a fair game where the rules are established. And no matter if you're a celebrity or an upstart competitor, you follow the same rules. No, like what you often see is that the process is gamed, that, that the bigger players try to get laws passed that benefit them. Um, and they try to punish the competition. They try to be in charge of deciding who can even compete against them, uh, as you pointed out with kind of the slaughterhouse background and everything. So I, I, to me, this is a, a lesson not only in constitutional history and understanding how the Supreme Court can kind of interpret things and, and make some things seem powerless, you know, the, these parts of the Constitution when they just decide, no, nope, that doesn't apply. But it's, it's also a lesson in realizing that People who become very successful financially in the marketplace are often tempted to use the government uh, to solidify their their advantage, to keep their position. And then they try to punish the little guy. We, we should not have that happening. We shouldn't have protectionist laws. we got to fight against them so that it's an even playing field for everybody, no matter where they're at. And the Constitution ideally should be there to support those people uh, the upstart competitors, the the underdogs, by protecting their rights. And uh, ideally, that would be better happening. It's not perfect, as you know from your work. Um, there's lots of these battles that we have to fight to try and make the the, uh, the you know the field more of a fair fair game. So, Brittany, uh, great conversation. Thanks for chatting. And until next time, we'll talk to you later. Talk to you later. You've been listening to The Way the World Works. Make sure your family is subscribed and check out TuttleTwins.com for more awesome content.